I'm Aaron. And this is Paul. And this is Wayne. Well, howdy, guys. Hello. Morning. It is good to talk to you again. Is it? I mean, you and I just uh-huh. really spoke like three days ago about Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. So somewhat. It's it's somewhat good. <laughs> it is good-ish. It is good adjacent. <laughs> it is good again. enough. <laughs> it doesn't suck too bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, we just got all... started, so you never know. Yeah, these are all fair descriptions. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I figure let's go ahead and start with some big news. Big news. Breaking news, big as it is. Because <gasps> it, it was just revealed yesterday, as of the time of this recording, that um, post-DC Metal, after DC Metal wraps up in April, um, there will be a four-part event written by Scott Snyder, James Tenyon IV, and Joshua Williamson, um, featuring Francis Manipal on art. Um, called Justice League No Justice that will feature uh, different teams of Justice League characters teaming up with each other, uh, heroes and villains teaming up. One of the teams is like Batman, Lobo, um, Lex Luthor, Beast Boy, and Deathstroke. Um, They've got like a supernatural team led by Wonder Woman and Zatanna and Etrigan the Demon. Um, Tons of cool matchups. Um, And they have announced that this is a weekly series starting on May 9th, I believe. Yep, May 9th. And after it concludes, this sets the stage for a new family of Justice League titles, not just one Justice League title, beginning in June, headlined by Scott Snyder taking over Justice League, um, with additional titles written by James Tidian IV and Joshua Williamson and more in the coming months. That is welcome news, because let me tell you, the writing on Justice League under uh, uh, Hitch has been just terrible. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I just I, I haven't been able to get into those at all. No, the writing on Justice writing League for years has been terrible. Since since it's, Jeff Johns left the title, I, I, I find that I haven't really enjoyed Justice League. Yeah, since the end of the Dark Side War, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, yeah, it's, it is, it has been objectively bad since, uh, Brian Hitch took over the writing chores. So I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that because, uh, I like Scott Snyder, Scott Snyder, and I really want to enjoy justice league. Yeah. Now it's unlikely that Greg Capullo will be the artist on it. Um, yeah. you know, because given the delays in metal and all that, in right. fact, let's talk about some delays. Holy crap. Holy roly. Um, holy roly. You want to talk about some delays. Let's talk about how Immortal Men, which was originally solicited to be released in November, um, has now been pushed back to April. Um, Immortal Men is the James Tinian IV and Jim Lee uh, New Age of Heroes book. And uh, you know that's not James Tinian IV causing those delays. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, unless it's Kevin Smith, it's rarely the writer that causes the delay. Yeah. You know. um, or Roberto Aguirre Sacasa, if we're talking Afterlife mm. with Archie. Right. Um, and Doomsday Clock uh, has been announced that after uh, March's issue four, uh, we'll be moving to a bi-monthly schedule. Um, there was originally a planned break in between issue four and eight, I think, like a, like a month break, much like Mr. Miracle. Um, but rather than having the, the one month break, I think they're, they're pushing to have everything be bi-monthly going forward. And and wow. that actually that doesn't, so wasn't dis, that doesn't uh, surprise me, nor does it disappoint me. Um, I, though I, I though I would have loved a a true monthly release schedule on uh, Doomsday Clock, um, 
I think that it's a lot more realistic given how jam packed those books are with art, you know, because those nine yeah. panel pages. Uh, and they're not and short they're books. So it's not 20 page books either. No. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Gary Frank is just drawing the hell out of those books. I think a bi-monthly release schedule makes a whole lot more sense. And I think it was naive to think that they could they could manage a monthly schedule on those. When I saw it said bi-monthly, I had my hopes up that that was going to be twice a month. Yeah, semi-monthly. <laughs> yeah, because uh, that's a title that could use faster pacing. Yes and no, right? Uh, here's the thing. I think they probably should have always solicited it as a bi-monthly title. Um, I, you know, I mean, think about the original Watchmen. The original Watchmen saw significant delays, um, you know, upon its release. This book is definitely one that is... This book is not meant was never meant to be monthly. If you read it, you're like this this type of book in a monthly title is it's a bit lofty goal, right? With all the hidden Easter eggs, all the right. annotations and research that goes into this book. There's so much um that goes into making one issue of Doomsday Clock. I was surprised that they had intentions of making it monthly, but you know, Gary Frank he's he's a he's a beast that guy, but yeah. you know, I guess this book got the better of him. Well, I, I'll also say it works to make it bi-monthly because there's not a bazillion doomsday clock tie-ins, right? Yeah. You know, it's not like you've got all these other books that are, you know, dependent on storyline milestones uh, throughout the telling of that story. To a certain extent, uh, I, though, unlike DC Metal. DC Metal definitely right. killed some momentum by losing uh, the, that all that time. Absolutely, because it is so tie-in heavy. Yeah. And, and um, that you started off with this, you know, gigantic array of books at the at the beginning of metal and it's just become rather arid and dry yeah <laughs> you know and a desert of, of choices in terms of metal now and you know as someone who who has been enjoying metal i'm kind of like god is this thing over yet well and so there's next week uh is issue five and um if you follow greg capullo on um on uh, a Twitter, you'll you'll find out that he he's probably I think he said somewhere like halfway finished with penciling yeah. issue six. So mm-hmm. um, that's probably why this Justice League book is planned for May, which means we're probably a good three two two and a half months away from seeing um, do uh, metal number six, the conclusion of that book. Right. So yeah, that's another See, one that it, it probably just, should have been solicited as bi monthly to begin with. I just don't like bi monthly books. I don't want to wait that long between issues, and it drives me crazy. I'd rather – if I would have known this was going to end up being a bi-monthly book, I would have waited until the entire series was over and got it in a trade instead. You know, no, I, I, oh, go ahead. I understand that. I, I do understand that. I mean for serialized books, particularly something like Metal, I think it makes it really hard to uh, retain the reader's engagement, which is, of course, why the the companies want to publish at least monthly yeah. on those kinds of things. Something that is, you know, such an event sort of book like Doomsday Clock, they can do it bi-monthly and it's not a problem, right? Yeah, primarily but because something it's like not, metal. like you said, tied into anything that's actively going right. on. Nothing's being delayed but, right now because of Doomsday Clock. But, but see, metal's, I have – Metal's going to take, take a punch in the guts – Going by monthly. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Wayne. See, I had that same problem back with Forever Evil. Yeah. I ended up not reading all of it because it just was too long between issues, and I just lost interest. I didn't care anymore. Yeah. And I, I will say, you know, delays are a bit different than moving to a bi-monthly schedule. If I know, and, and this has always been my issue with these big crossovers, 
tell me from the start this is going to be a bi-monthly issue. Don't, like, get my hopes up, blow up my, my sales with tie-ins, and then make me wait four months for an issue. That's that's where the momentum's killed for me, like it happened with Metal, like it happened with Forever Evil, like it happened with Blackest Night, uh, like it happened with Last Son of Krypton, like it happens a lot, right? Yeah. Um, Secret Empire, well, not Secret Empire, whatever the hell the other one was. Um, the, 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 the thing... Book. The thing that I find amazing about this, and and Paul and Wayne, I think both of you guys have have similar professional experience. But you know, if you've got a background in pro, in project management, you have a responsibility to uh, ensure that milestones are being hit, that you have correctly assessed the the pipeline and the bandwidth that you have to to meet those milestones. How? bad are editors at DC and Marvel uh, that they, on a routine basis, misestimate their capacity and ability to, to produce on time. Because it's not like Greg Capullo uh, broke his arm or had a family emergency. He just he's just wasn't able to hit the, the goals that, that were set in front of him. I mean, there's nothing, to my knowledge, there is nothing in, in Greg Capullo's personal life that has caused this disruption. It is just a fact that they thought they had uh, one w- one type of capacity in their pipeline, and they actually had a much smaller uh, uh, amount of capacity. You know, for uh, me, I, and in I, in my line of work, in my line of work, somebody gets fired. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. If I missed that many deadlines, somebody would asking would be asking me, "Are you sure you've got the right seat on the bus?" Right, <laughs> right. You know, for me, I feel like. Um, to your point about risk management, if this had been planned from the get-go as every six weeks instead of every four, yeah, I, we would have. Been, I think we would have avoided all this to begin with. Well, right. it strikes me that when they were setting, when they were saying, "Okay, are we going to be monthly? What's what's going to be the publishing schedule?" and somebody at the head of the table said, "I'd really like it to be monthly." And so all their project managers, aka editors, said, "Oh yeah, we can do this monthly." So they told the leadership what they wanted to hear versus what they could actually do. Yeah. You know, and again, in my line of work, somebody gets fired, yeah. <laughs> you know, because the, these are, are sort of tent pole sorts of things. And you've disappointed your customers uh, when this occurs. Agreed. Now, yeah. all that being said, I freaking loved Doomsday Clock number three this week. Mm. It's a good book. It's a good book. Uh, yeah. Unlike a lot of others, they actually felt like things happened. Yeah. And <laughs> while we uh, didn't see Dr. Manhattan, we saw his leg. I feel like we may have seen Dr. Manhattan. Um, you know, I, I agree. I, I feel like we may have seen Dr. Manhattan. You know, th- this book, um, more so than the others. I mean, it's the same length issue, but it feels like so much hap- more happens in this issue than in issue two. Uh, you know, we start getting tie-ins to this classic movie called um, The Arraignment, I think, The Adjournment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and... and the, the backstory of a, a Hollywood movie star from the 50s, Carver Coleman, um, in his final role as private investigator Nathaniel Dusk. And we see a numerous scenes from this movie throughout the book. We, we get some back matter in the book. And I don't know if you guys read the back matter, but it's about Carver Coleman and his hidden life and how upon his death, investigators found a room that had his like a, a, a hidden room in his house with a clock collection and things like that. And I'm like, hmm, you know, I feel like I feel like we may be seeing some hints of Dr. Manhattan um, in the in the timeline, you know, maybe trying out a different secret identity in this timeline, that kind of thing. There's certainly more to that 
to that uh that character that actor involved no, in the i story. definitely i definitely agree and i think the movie back background is you know basically like uh the original watchman had the pirate comic yeah right i this was serving kind of that same purpose too of uh, highlighting some things that are going on I also really enjoyed getting a little bit of the origin for Rorschach. Yeah. The new Rorschach. Yep, me too. And I, I also I, like that I don't know if it's for you I mean, I'm just throwing out theories here. I feel like um the mime and what's her what's the uh female's character's name? Oh, you got me, Paul. Because I the mime never says it. Uh yeah. there there's two characters in this book and you know, it's like the mime and, and Damn, I don't remember her name. Yeah, I, I can't remember her name either. I have a feeling, you know, they are looking for their child. Right. And I have a feeling like we may find out that their child is one of the three Jokers that Jeff Johns has set up. Well, that would make sense, right? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're setting up this, this, you know, this interaction between them and the Joker in this book. And I have a feeling that, you know, Jeff Johns has mentioned there are three Jokers. Right. And, you know, one and Dr. Manhattan has clearly been in this timeline for a while, um, you know, with time being fluid for him. I have a feeling that one of the Jokers may be um, their child. You know, the uh, the interaction with uh, the, the mime and uh, his girlfriend slash wife uh, in the Joker bar yeah. was my favorite part of this book. I just freaking loved, you know, that they come walking in in their mime paint and the guys in the restaurant say, hey, you got to take you, you. You can't wear makeup in here like that. You can't wear the face paint in here. He didn't like that, you know, because it's a Joker bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they just hand everybody their asses. And I love the way they fight. I love, you know, the mimes, you know, I, the mime either pretends so hard he creates he, he makes a gun real right yeah or that he's walking around with an invisible gun we don't know which one of those two two statements is true either um, way it's awesome yeah it is it is it is and so it, cool it's the kind of thing you didn't really see in the watchman universe right yeah you didn't see that level of power marionette is the uh, female oh, character thank you yeah so i i will say as much as i love this issue i had one major problem with it and that is and that is you know at the end of issue two we see batman come to his back cave to find that warshock has infiltrated his back cave you know they, they confront each other in this issue you know it, it's it's not a big fight they just continue a conversation right i liked that it wasn't a fight i do too i liked how they handled that you know because you just assume that batman finds somebody has finds a stranger that has been not only in, in the bat cave but in his home you know, where Alfred lives, you know, you, you just assume that Batman's going to just do a major beat down on that guy. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and the fact that it was a, it was just a, a conversation was uh, rather enthralling and that Batman invites him to go upstairs and have a nap. <laughs> see, that is <laughs> yeah. my, see, that's my major problem with it. Um, the fact that Batman to, to the point that he reads the journal and has, and, and tricks Rorschach into being uh, locked in Arkham Asylum. So he clearly doesn't trust this character. However, he's like, yeah, man, just go upstairs. Make yourself at home alone with my butler. He'll make you some pancakes. Like, just just do it. <laughs> like, it's no problem. Just roam around my home by yourself. Like, but he's already I, roamed around his home by himself. I know, yeah. but I just feel like that's, that's out of character for Batman. Well, and I also got the impression that uh, 
he really decided that he was insane after reading the journal. Yeah, but it, that's it, what pushed it over the edge. Yeah, maybe it was just it. it I, I found that interesting that he's like, yeah, yeah, just go. It's fine. It's fine. I'm just going to sit here and read. What what I loved about the Batman Double Cross was that I was I Batman hoodwinked me just as much as he did Rorschach. You know, yeah. I was like, I was like, oh wow, I I can't believe we're we're on this trail so easy, right? You know that there's 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 some kind of anomaly at Arkham Asylum, and I'm thinking, you know, it's got to be Joker or something like that. You know, it's got to be one of those three Jokers there at Arkham that, that's. Uh, Throwing off the weird signal, and then for him to just lead Rorschach into a, excuse me, into a cell. Uh, I, I mean, I had the same reaction Rorschach did. You know, <laughs> I, 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 I was ever bit as 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 murderously enraged about Batman's double cross uh, <laughs> as Rorschach was. I'll kill you. But it makes sense. I mean, it totally makes yeah. sense. Yeah. It was a good oh, way no, to end absolutely. the book. It was a good way to end the book. And that's one of the things I enjoy about this book. What I enjoy about Doomsday Clock is the same thing I enjoyed about Watchmen is that it is so dense, right? Mm -hmm. There is so much – there are so many layers of story going on here. We talked about the the back matter in the book. We talked about the film that's running through uh, the story of, of, of the events going on in the book. This is one of those books like the original Watchmen that's going to benefit from a reread. Right. Oh, yeah. uh, there's there's a lot going on here, just like there's a lot going on in Watchmen. And I do predict that like Watchmen, this is going to be a book that I come back and read periodically every every other year or so. Hopefully. Well, and yeah. I just didn't feel like there was that much going on in the in the earlier issues. Yeah, there's I mean, there were a lot of little Easter egg things, but it, it felt like there was so much more going on so much deeper in this issue than any of the others of the series so far. Yeah. Like, this is where it really has kicked off for me. What I find interesting is that even though Superman is central to the plot line of this, um, we've only seen him like in his underwear in one page of issue one so far. Right. Yeah. I, I was noticing that as well, that, wow, you know, we were given to believe that Superman's kind of a big deal here. And here we are, you know, uh, you know, three, three, three chapters in and really almost nothing with Superman in it. And it's coming. I'm sure that they'll, they'll, you know, but now the focus seems like it's on Batman. Um, so I, I am, I am enjoying the book. I am sorry that it's going bi-monthly, but at the same time, if it, if it, if that is the cost of maintaining quality, which is, I think one of the issues I've had before, um, with delays is that, you know, the delays don't necessarily mean great quality. It just means right. the artist can't keep up, but, um, it's a quality book. I am enjoying it. Um, definitely will uh, continue with it and looking forward to issue four in, next month. So issue four does come out in March. It doesn't really see much of a delay. Yeah. It's a good book. Thumbs up. Yeah. So also some more news that came out this week regarding Marvel books. So uh, Marvel has announced their free comic book day titles. Um, there are a couple of flip books in there. Uh, you know, Marvel is known for uh, kind of doing like these 12 page stories on both sides, flip books. Uh, so it's like day. it's like two stories in one book. It is. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, some of the books that call been, it two in one, two is what in you can say. one. It's two in one. Yeah. <laughs> Marvel two in one. I'm just saying it's a, that's a new thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so a couple of the books that have been announced for this year's uh, free comic book day, uh, one of the flip books features a story called Infinity Watch. And, you know, anyone who has been a longtime Marvel reader, such as the guys on this podcast, uh, remembers Warlock in the Infinity Watch. 
Um, you know, and now with Adam Warlock back in the Marvel Universe, uh, you know, is Infinity Watch going to be a new team book? Especially with the Guardians of the Galaxy book having wrapped up, uh, you know, for now at least. I don't know, but I'm very intrigued at a new Infinity Watch book. Are you very intrigued? Super intrigued. <laughs> Infinitely intrigued. Ah, yes. Marvel definitely has been, has had a habit of using Free Comic Book Day as a way to throw out something that's going to be major changes in the future. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you look back for uh, Amazing Spider-Man, they did a Free Comic Book Day that was set in the One More Day universe. Yep. Months before they ever did One More Day. Well, and I always feel... I always feel like the problem with Marvel, though, on their free comic book day stuff is that they'll they'll, they'll throw out a, a book that's going to be, you know, big in their in their lineup. But it'll be months before that story comes out. Yeah. It seems to me like the thing to do is have it come out the following new comic book day. Yeah, agree. You know, to really yeah. tie into that, which DC has done a few times where they'll release like a zero issue mm-hmm. of their big crossover. Yeah, DC was having the, these big hints like, oh, you know, when we our free comic book day is going to be a big, you know, top secret book. And then I guess that fell through because of all these delays, maybe. Um, right. Because now they've announced it's just like a reprint of DC Superhero Girls, number one. Because <laughs> um, I mean, I'm sure that was not the original plan. Um, but a couple so of other... Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead, Paul. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say a couple of other uh, things that have been announced. So there is an amazing Spider-Man book um, on new free comic book day. And the rumor is that it features the new, well, it's certainly going to feature the new creative team, but the rumor is that the new creative team on amazing Spider-Man will be Nick Spencer and a post invincible Ryan Otley. That, oh. that, that really, that really excites me. Cause I, I really Same like here. Ryan Otley and I'd like to see him work on something else. Yeah, I mean, he's got an art style I would love to see on Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, it's also... Hyper, I'd like, want to see that hyper-violent stuff. Yeah, exactly. I want to see Spider-Man <laughs> Spider- with, like, half his face missing. A <laughs> <laughs> um, couple of other rumors that are out there is, uh, well, it's been confirmed that Mark Wade and Chris Somney's run on Captain America will be short-lived, much to my sadness, because I'm enjoying that. that run. Um, but Ta-Nehisi Coates, who uh, brought new life to Black Panther uh, last year, will be taking over the reins on Captain America, at least on writing duties. No artist I'm, has been announced. I'm not wild about that. You know, I, I'm, 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 I'm holding out judgment. I, I've read the first issue of Black Panther and I really enjoyed it. The one with the Brian Stelfreeze art. Uh, I, uh, I, I, have not, I really wanted to like his series of Black Panther. I have not. I've had a really hard time getting into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I like, uh, I, I like ta Coates quite a bit, uh, you know, as a person, I've seen him interviewed, I've read some of, some of his other work. Um, I just, I don't think that he's really doing it for me as a comic book writer. Yeah. I'm sad that Mark Wade and Chris Somney are short lived on Captain America. That's, that is a dream team for me on that book. And they have done wonderful work in the three issues that I've read so far. Uh, so I mean, they, they still have longer to go. I mean, free comic book day isn't until May, but just a little sad about it. Disappointing, you know, but I'm not surprised. Somni never hangs anywhere. You ever notice that? I mean, he yeah. he does uh, six and twelve issue runs, and then he moves on. Yeah. Um. And I and I suppose that's great because you know for him because that gives him an opportunity to try a bunch of different a, a bunch of different characters. But I really he stayed, want. Say so he stayed on Daredevil for a long time with uh, Mark Wade, though. That's a fair point, but that's one of the few, right? Since then, it's been very short runs. In fact, you know, Marvel, at least as of the time of this recording, is having a 
stupid sale on their Kindle editions on uh, Amazon. I mean, to the point like trade paperbacks are a dollar eighty or two twenty in general. Um, so I picked up the Mark Wade Chris Somney run on Black Widow. There's only two trade paperbacks. I think they were two dollars and twenty cents each, um, and I got all ten issues in that um, in that story. So I'm I'm looking forward to giving that book a read because I heard it was great. And I'm going to get back to that sale here in a little bit when we talk about one of our books. <laughs> um, but you know. Uh, so sad that that team's leaving, but I am excited about Avengers. Uh, now, apparently uh, coming up on the new creative team on Avengers, which I guess after this no surrender storyline, or I think it's called no surrender, whatever the current major, um, maybe it's no turning back. I don't know. There's a big storyline going on right now in Avengers. Um, in the Avengers crossing book. over all of the Avengers books. I almost picked up the the beginning of it but there's just too many books yeah same here i almost picked it up and then i was like wait this is too big like i'm out um but apparently jason aaron and esad ribbick the the uh, masterful creative team that started off jason aaron's arc on thor will be taking over the pages of avengers and i'm pretty excited about that i love that team yeah i i really thought about the crossover because it reminds me of some of those huge crossovers back in the day like avengers would have the uh the Kree Scroll War. That was—I mean—that was huge. But at this point, there are so many Avengers books, and they were making the crossover basically be a weekly book because of how many books were coming out. That it just—it was daunting. Yeah. It well, makes me wonder, like, back when those big crossovers came out, like I—I I would say probably Age of Apocalypse was just as big. But I bought all those as they came out. I don't know why it seems more daunting now than it did then. Well, because I think we're buying more books now, and they're also four or five bucks a piece, right? I think that's the difference. You know, when when X Men Alpha came out at the beginning of the Age of Apocalypse book, I think that was a two ninety nine, three ninety nine book, but it was the chromium cover, sixty four page intro to the book. You know, everything after that was like a buck seventy five. And don't get me wrong, I mean, we were making different kind of money back then, but I think we're just there's so many things going on there's so much good in comics um that an avengers crossover just feels like just another thing right um uh, so i I'm, I'm reserving judgment if they may have a sale on it maybe before the end then maybe i'll check it out but uh i I'm, i'd rather just wait for the new uh chapter to begin with uh, jason aaron and Asad ribic but you know we mentioned nick spencer and ryan otley taking over amazing spider-man uh after dan slot ends his run with amazing spider-man number 801 so with that in mind i went ahead and picked up amazing spider-man issue 794 threat level red part one written by dan slot and christos gage art by Stuart amonin um anyone not familiar with spider-man um how dan slot writes he does it the marvel way so he you know he he does he does outlines of the story, hands it over to the writer. The writer does the book. It comes back for dialogue. And so that's where Christos Gage comes in to work on the dialogue with Dan Slott. And so um, that's the creative team that's going to be finishing up, I think, Dan Slott's arc to ensure that we can maintain the biweekly schedule. I've been out of Amazing Spider-Man for a while. This references a storyline that I've missed out on regarding the Zodiac, uh, terrorist yeah. and Zodiac key. Yeah, and I was figuring I would go over to Amazon and pick up those stories. <laughs> yeah, um, and, yeah. and I, I will say I likely will, too, because I really enjoyed this issue, Aaron. Yeah, it was good. It was a good issue. And, you know, uh, I I really liked the supporting cast in Amazing Spider-Man when yeah. I left. Like, uh, you know, Anna Maria uh, Marconi is, I think, one of the best supporting characters that we've seen in, in, in over the last, you know, 
10, 15 years in comics, uh, we all liked her from the jump. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I, 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 you know, I'm sad that uh, Peter Parker Industries uh, is no longer around. Uh, you know, I, I kind of hate that. But, you know, that, that that is what happens to Peter Parker. Yeah. Things, you know, things go horribly wrong for him. But, yeah, I, I was I was amazed that reading the synopsis page, I was right back into it. Yeah, you know, exactly. I like, like I, I didn't feel lost. I, I no, knew I, I didn't miss either. something, but I didn't feel lost. Yeah, but and it was nice to see. You know, one of the one of the characters in the book is uh, Mockingbird, and I've always liked Mockingbird. Yeah, and that's I, his current I, girlfriend. And I and I enjoyed getting to see her. You know, yeah. I, you know, uh, I've always liked Bobby. I, I I think she's a great character. And uh, anyway, I'm super interested in this book. And God, you know, Stuart Amonen. Uh, just draws the hell out of whatever he does. Yeah. And, you know, he's got this ongoing uh, relationship with uh, Wade Von Graubadger yeah. uh, on all this stuff. And, you know, the, 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 that pair, um, you know, just does amazing work. It reminds me of the, the old Miller and Jansen or Byrne and Austin team ups yep. that, you know, whenever you, you saw Byrne and Austin, you knew you were getting something special. When you saw Miller and Jansen, you knew you were getting something special. And that's the same thing with these guys. Yeah, I didn't realize it had been so long since you guys had read Spider-Man because I jumped back in during the uh, the clone storyline mm-hmm. and then I jumped back out after that. But, yeah, he's been dating her for a while. Yeah. I mean, I've probably been out for over a year now, um, which yeah. is a lot in Spider-Man, in dog years, right. in Spider-Man years because it's biweekly. Um, you know, I, one thing I do want to mention is the, one of the reasons I picked up this book is not just because Dan Slott is wrapping up the book, but also there's this character that's coming in for um the final arc the actual final arc is called i think go out swinging uh and it features spider-man versus the red goblin and i'm like what's the red goblin and so bleeding cool had this article and i I tried not to read it but i read it anyway because i'm like yeah i'm not reading spider-man who cares and it revealed spoilers so wayne if you're planning on getting into this book you know, you may want to avoid this. Um, no, I'm I'm jumping back after Slot's gone. Oh, okay. So it revealed that um, the Red Goblin is uh, Norman Osborn with Carnage, um, right. the Carnage symbiote. And I was like, all right, yep, I'm, I'm buying the book. I'm <laughs> gotcha. on. Yeah, you got me there. <laughs> like that, that is a combination that that I am def- definitely interested in. So I picked it up, yeah, I- and I'm glad I did. I, I really liked this book. Well, and this book certainly previews what you're talking about there, right? Yeah. And the last page we see Norman Osborn and you know the 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 whole story, you know, you've got the A story with Spider-Man and you know fighting Zodiac, right? Um, but the B story is the heist to capture the uh, Carnage symbiote. And we get to see Norman Osborn at the end of it. And I, I thought all of that was beautifully done. I, 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 I dug this book a lot and I am I am all in. I, I, I will be in for the remainder of this run. Well, another book that I am all in on all in is Marvel two in one. Uh, damn it. Damn it. And here's the thing. <laughs> I say damn it because I know that while Chip Zdarsky will stay on the book, Jim yeah. Chung is not capable of keeping a monthly schedule. No, he is not. He never has been. He never will be. Um, so I'm sure we'll get him for this first arc, and then someone else will come in, and then I'll be I'll be heartbroken. But hopefully, the writing is still the same. Because God, I loved this book. It's a gorgeous book. It really is. It, it has so much nostalgia and all of these flashbacks, and just adds more to it. And I'm really enjoying this whole uh, 
that conversation of, oh, they wrote a comic book about, you know, they continued writing the comic book and said that we went and saved them, but they don't know that's real. <laughs> uh, one of the things I love so much about this book is that it captures that thing that so few Fantastic Four writers capture and only the really successful Fantastic Four writers successfully achieve is heart. This yeah. book is full of heart. You know, uh, Fantastic Four, more than any other comic book out there that I can think of, is about family. It's about that connection. It's about the person that drives you crazy. But at the end of the day, you love that person because they're family. Uh, And it could be a family by blood or it could be family by choice. But they're family. And, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, Ben is doing whatever he can to keep the one person who is left in his family uh, together with him, uh, you know, and including a, a horrible lie. Yeah. I mean, a horrible lie uh, that I suspect will wind up being true, despite the fact that yeah. he doesn't know that it's true. Well, and uh, we know that it's true, but. Right. But uh, I, I just, I, it's, it is so, the story is beautifully told. I loved, you know, we spend our time walking down memory lane in this book uh, and learning some things about, you know, Reed and Ben's first adventure. Uh, and it was all great. I mean, the 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 way they tied the prank they played on Victor Von Doom back in their college days to, you know, the events that fell after that, you know, with Dr. Doom, I thought that was beautifully done. Uh, I, I, I dug this book a great deal. I, I dug love, this book a great deal. I love the fact that there's a melancholy element to the story, but it doesn't feel yeah. like a sad book. It still feels yeah. like a fun superhero adventure. And I think that it takes a particular talent as a writer to make Ben Grimm the lead character, right? Um, you know, Ben is usually great as a supporting character. I have loved Ben Grimm in his own books. I, you know, I, I loved the original you know, volumes of Marvel 2 and 1. I loved his own series following the original Secret Wars. Uh, but it takes a special kind of writer to make that work because not everybody can do it. And I, I'm really enjoying this a great deal. Yeah, they are nailing Ben. I mean, the uh, the writing on him is really good. You get to the core of the character. I love, like I said, I love all the callbacks. Like yeah. when he's having the conversation with Alicia and uh, she makes the reference to, you remember that time you were gone and I started dating Johnny, but it wasn't really me. It was really a scroll. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I remember reading those. I was reading yeah. Fantastic Four at that time. Well, it's like re- just that callback, you know? Yeah, and I, and I was ready for Ben to say, you mean when I was on the secret war planet, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was flying around the secret war planet as Rocky Grimm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, um, inspired by this book, because I loved this book so much, I actually, you know, I mentioned that Marvel sale on Amazon. And I, I, I think I mentioned this. If, remember, if you buy the Kindle edition on Amazon, you get the Comixology version because Amazon owns Comixology. And so... And it is way cheap over there. I bought some stuff yesterday that was like $2.50 that were, you know... 200 page graphic novels yeah so i picked up uh, a couple of graphic novels or trade paperbacks i should say i picked up peter parker the spectacular spider-man which is a new spider-man book written by chip zadarsky um and yep, i read the first arc of that when it came out was it any good because i picked it up it was i think it was a buck 80 i it wasn't bad but it was kind of like a side spider-man story you know yeah okay well i picked it up because i, I enjoy his writing on marl 2 and one and i also picked up infamous iron man 
um, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Alex Maleev, which is, um, you know, the, it's the current storyline. Well, I guess it led up to the current storyline. It was the previous storyline in Iron Man. Um, but uh, it features Doctor Doom taking on the mantle of Iron Man. You see a bit of that character in Marvel 2 and 1 number 2. And so, I, you know, I was like, you know what? I like that concept. It's kind of like Lex Luthor wearing the Superman armor. Let's yeah, give it a I shot. Pick- I picked that up a couple of weeks ago. I got the first two volumes of that. Yeah, there's only two volumes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And damn, I read the first. I read the first volume in one sitting last night. I love this freaking book. Yeah, uh, I, I know it's over now, um, but it, it is. Uh, you know, for for all the 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 shit that I've been given Brian Michael Bendis in recent years, it's a well written book. It's got a lot of heart. Um, it's a well written Doctor Doom. I really enjoy uh, his take on that character and this storyline. So. Definitely recommend checking out Infamous Iron Man uh, if you're a fan of Doctor Doom like myself. So, since we're talking Marvel, more Marvel than we normally talk about, um, a <laughs> couple of Marvel movie news items. Uh, this week, some paparazzi pictures of Captain Marvel leaked online. Yeah, what do, you, what do you think of that green suit? I think it's great. I thought it looks great. You know, a lot of people are like, well, it's not blue and yellow and red. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I mean... It could be her first costume. I mean, in in her origins, if the, in the original Captain Marvel was green and white, the costume. So it could just be it, a build up to that kind of thing. It, it makes me wonder, Paul, if you know, because what we see a, a lot of reimagining about the origins in these movies. Um, if I, I assume that what they're doing is that there will be no original, uh, you know, Kreelar, you know, uh, dude, Captain Marvel, right? I would imagine uh, not. I, you know, somehow she's going to, I assume they're going to retain Carol Danvers because, you know, I, I think it makes a lot more sense for, for, for her to be human than to just female up the Cree Lar character. Um, so I'm kind of curious as to what the green suit's all about. I mean, is it sort of a Green Lantern origin where she comes across the alien and inherits the suit? I'm, I'm really... I'm really curious as to how they're going to change that origin and if they're going to change the origin so much that it makes the character unrecognizable. Well, and they've done a lot of establishing the Kree, uh, not necessarily over in, uh, you know, in the movie universe, but on the TV side, they have done a lot to establish the Kree and that they're around. And I think they may actually do some ties into what they pre-established on the TV side. I would be surprised if you if I mean, they will probably have call outs for people who are fans of the show to 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 like, oh, I know that. Um, But I think they'll probably make it still new, new watcher friendly. Oh, yeah. It'll be standalone, assuming that you've never seen the TV show. But I have a feeling there's going to be Easter eggs to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. all over the place. Yeah, I, I, I would I would I would. I would assume they'd do that to, to reward their three viewers of yeah. uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But uh, <laughs> so I've got to say, I've had, I've complained about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in uh, the past seasons and such. This season has been incredible. It, they, it won't th- stay that way, Wayne. It won't stay that way. <laughs> it never does. They've done each season as kind of a reinvention. And this season is a storyline where they've been uh, thrown like 70 years into the future Earth has been destroyed, and the Kree are over what's left of humanity on, like, space stations. Yeah, I feel like they need to reinvent themselves every season, though, because they drop the ball every season, right? I mean, every season has started off strong, and then they die down, because they, but they have, and so they have to keep reinventing it. Last season was the supernatural thing, and I got all excited about Ghost Rider, and then it started sucking, and I'm like, ah, well, fuck this. 
the ghostwriter part of the story was really good though that first arc yeah but i don't know i mean i i I hope for your sake as a loyal watcher that they reward you um for your patience with the show i just i can't do it again i've been burned too many times (laughs) paul's afraid to love again i am i am but i am not afraid to fall in love with the black panther movie Guys, I am stupid excited about it. I picked up my tickets for it. Um, you know, it, it comes out, uh, I think, February 16th. I picked up tickets for the, you know, the evening showings on February 15th. I think like a 7 p.m. showing or something like that. Um, and they are saying that Black Panther is tracking to open up somewhere between 100 and 120 million, uh, which would make it the biggest U.S. opening for a solo debut film, um, you know, tracking ahead of like Doctor Strange, Iron Man, Ant-Man, all of the Marvel, you know, um, solo debut films. So, you know, Captain America. Uh, So, I mean, it could, you know, they're obviously not accounting for inflation and things like that, but uh, a lot of hope. I think, you know, a lot of folks excited about this film, including myself. So definitely looking forward to Black Panther. I I think it's going to have a huge opening weekend. And, you know, as long as word of mouth is strong, I think this is going to be a huge movie for Marvel. I think it's going to be huge. It's a lot of talent in front and behind the camera. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, 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 I had forgotten. I don't know how I forgot this, but the director is the guy who directed Creed, Ryan Coogler. Right. And yeah. I freaking loved Creed. Yeah. Creed was an awesome film. Yeah. Creed was an awesome film. And I, the only thing that I, I always get worried about this with Marvel, because they'll take these guys who who make these almost indie films, these little tiny budget films, and then they'll throw this, you know, uh, hundred million dollar movie at them. And I'm like, how do you how how do you graduate to that? But of course, you know, the, the, the Marvel guys have got this thing figured out and there's a whole team. Yeah. These are not director led films. Yeah. These it's are, it's not like when you, yeah, it's not like when you give Kevin Smith a budget. Yeah. yeah. These are, these are producer led films. There's a whole production team around these. It's not like you've got a Martin Scorsese running everything. You've got the producers running everything. Yeah. It's more like a TV production, to be perfectly honest. It is. And uh, but it works, you know, and when you're when you've got such a tied in continuity universe, I think you kind of have to have that model. And that's what that's what Marvel has done so well in their uh, in their configuration. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to Black Panther. I'm looking forward to Black Panther. Well, before we wrap up today, I wanted to met, uh, make a, a, a call out to a series that Aaron put me on to. Yeah, he did. <laughs> it's yeah, avail- he did. Yeah, he did. It's available on Comixology. You may have mentioned it before on the show. I don't recall. It don't is um, called Punchline, uh, and it is written by Bill Williams, art by Matthew Weldon. The publisher is Lone Star Press. Um, I think it, it's, it is released monthly, uh, but they're 15-page books. Monthly-ish, um, but they're fifteen-page books. Uh, actually, I guess it's bi-monthly. Looking at the schedule, um, uh, ninety-nine cents each, fifteen pages each. Um, I didn't realize there was that much of a wait in between issues because I picked up the first four issues all in mm-hmm. one, and that's going to be hard to keep track of. Yeah. But um, so it, it is a story of a a dying superhero, maybe kind of, yes. um, who passes her powers on to, to a new young generation, you know, it, and, in, and in doing so her motivation to pass her powers on is that it would heal her. Yeah. She has a mortal wound when she meets this young woman and, you know, they have a conversation and the young woman's like, yeah, give me those powers. 
And, you know, because this is clearly a world where superheroes live and, you know, everybody kind of knows those superheroes. And, uh, you know, she's like, yeah, if it'll heal you, hand him over to me. And then, you know, and so the, the, the dying hero is healed, loses the the edgier powers and becomes the mentor to the to the younger hero. I freaking love this book. This it is beautifully drawn. Yeah, I'm enjoying uh, very it. much in a Stuart Amon and sort of sort of fashion. It is it is hardcore indie, but you know, like most indie books, generally have a, a, a very unique style, a very uh, a very indie sort of style, right? There's kind of a minimalist uh, aspect to it. This is this this looks like something Marvel would produce with uh, you know Stuart Amon and Wade von Graubadger, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it is just a gorgeous book. But anyway, Paul, I interrupted you. Tell me what you thought of Punchline. I've enjoyed it. I have enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, you know, I think it's a it, it's a fun book. Um, you know, it, I, I I do find for me that the fifteen pages can be a little. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? A, a little limiting, mm-hmm. especially since now that you know. Again, I picked up all four issues at once, but now looking at it and realizing that they're coming out like every two months, that's that's a bit of a wait. You know, uh, so I, I think I, w- I will have a hard time keeping up with it. I will rely on you <laughs> to help me <laughs> to keep aware of it. Uh, but it's certainly worth giving a shot, especially for someone like Wayne, who likes like young female characters like a Stephanie um, Brown, you know, and, and those types of characters. It's very much in and that vein. The art sounds like something I would like, too, because I like for my superhero stuff. I like that very traditional superhero art. And I would say this is very much in that vein. Absolutely. So, I mean, I, if for someone like Wayne, I, I think this is very much up Wayne's alley. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, Wayne, I think you would dig this book as well. Yeah, it, it sounds it, like it's it a... is. And it's, it's a $4 investment to get the first four issues. The 15 pages are, think of them like chapters, right? Um, and, and I think it works really well at this early part of the story. I'm not sure how it will work as we get into, you know, deeper and greater conflict. Uh, yeah. I'll but, pick it up before next week. And... Yeah, it, it's good stuff. I, I really enjoy it. One of my big concerns is because, you know, this I've gotten burned this way before is you start off with a smart, small press uh, uh, publisher and they're, they're telling a great big story and you get a couple of issues in and then the, the title just disappears. So yeah. I do worry about that because it does feel like this is a longer story. Um, I, I feel I, I worry that. You know, it's not going to wrap up because I can't tell you how many how many books I've got on my comicsology that just never finished. Yeah. Um, yeah. Same thing. I yeah. Going back to uh, in print, I had a lot of books like that where the series never finished. Yeah. But at ninety nine cents a chapter and, fi- you know, when you think about it, you know, two ch- two of their chapters uh, equal one rather large comic. Um, it's still cheaper than than what you buy on the newsstand every every week. Uh, newsstand, listen to me at the comic <laughs> shop or, or on Comicsology every every week. But uh, so it, it's not a big investment to get into the story. Uh, I, I recommend buying it when it comes out just to just to support the story as opposed to waiting for the trade because I fear that if you wait for the trade on this thing. Uh, there won't be enough sales to, to finish it up. So uh, I dig it quite a bit. I dig it quite a bit. And Paul, you know what else I dig? What's that? The North Texas comic book show is coming to Texas. Uh, not this coming weekend, but the weekend following. And uh, I'm going, Paul, because Jim Starlin will be there. Ooh. 
Yeah, and I'm trying to get him to tell me whether or not he's doing sketches. I uh, I can't find anywhere where it says he's going to be doing sketches because if he is, oh my, there will be there will be a Jim Starlin sketch hanging on my wall. And, and you'll get sketches for the rest of us for Mancon, right? I will I will let you have a JPEG of my sketch. <laughs> Well, I, I, I think uh, I think the the move there is that while everyone's rushing to meet the Walking Dead characters and actors, right. you had you get there at opening and uh, head straight to Mister Starlin. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I just, dude, I fear that he's not though because he's he's kind of being a you know uh, he's the headliner of the yeah. show, and you know the VIP passes are are your uh, line jumps to talk to Jim Starlin. Uh-huh. Uh, so I fear that he's just there as a guest and he's not going to be doing any artwork. But, man, I would love to I'd yeah. love to have a Dread Star or a Pip the Troll, you know. That still makes me happy, though, to hear that he is like a VIP there because too often the creators don't get the respect at these shows. Yeah. And they're just off at a booth by themselves while the, the Hollywood people get all of the attention. So here's the hysterical thing is that that day happens to fall on my anniversary. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I said to my wife, I'm like, um, the North Texas comic book show is the same day as our anniversary. And she's looking at me and I'm like, is that gonna be a problem if I spend the entire day at the North Texas comic book show? She's like, no, that's fine. And I said, I said, I'll still be home in time for dinner because I've made reservations for us that night. And she's like, no, that's fine. I'm like, okay. Um, so I made the reservations for us to go to uh, Mercury Chop House. Um, but there is a dinner after the comic book show with Jim Starlin, would that be okay? Because I see that there's salad and an entree. It sounds just as nice as Mercury Chop House. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's where she drew the line. No, ah, not- damn. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, it would be, I'm sure it's going to be some kind of really good baked chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah I'm, I'm excited. Oh, cool. Yeah, keep us updated. Yeah. So next week in comic stores uh, is January 31st, I think, is, yes. is this coming week. Yeah. Um, so it's a fifth week, which means that the, the releases are a little bit different than normal. Uh, but we will get from DC Comics um, the new issue or the first issue of The Silencer, part of that new Age of Heroes. This one's written by Dan Abnett, art by John Romita Jr., um, you know, speaking of which, they had a uh, preview of the Terrifics in the back of the DC books this week. I did not read them. I did not read them. I yeah, am waiting. I, I actively avoided them because that's a book I'm buying anyway. Yep. Um, also yep. next week from DC Comics, I had mentioned this uh, on a previous episode, uh, Len Wein's last Swamp Thing story. Um, Swamp Thing Winter Special written by Tom King and Len Wein, art by Jason Fabok and Kelly Jones. It is an $8 book. Likely don't care and will pick it up anyway. I am <laughs> um, very excited for that book, um, especially with it being a fifth week and all. It's not like there's going to be a ton of releases. Uh, the other big new release from DC Comics is Dark Knight's Metal issue number five, the penultimate issue, and uh, that's the, those are the major releases next week. Um, you know, if you are a fan of the uh, Young Animals imprint, I think is what it was called. Uh, we we dropped off of it. Um, the one from Gerard Way, 
right. uh, the the Milk Wars crossover uh, JLA Doom Patrol special is next week. I, I will I will not be picking that up, but if you are that, interested yeah. in that, it is available for you to to check out. Very exciting. Yes, also exciting is uh, the ongoing dialogue Paul and I are having about Star Trek. That's Star Trek with Aaron and Polly, in which we talk about all the cool things that Trek has to offer, including uh, weekly recaps of Star Trek Discovery. That's right here on the feed. Uh, check that out. We post those weekly. Uh, and Paul, um, I think we probably should 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 uh, acknowledge something. We understand that our comments are not working on the uh, on the website. And that is because we are getting hammered with spam, and uh, we are in the process of repairing that issue, and uh, that that matter should be resolved uh, within the coming week. So uh, be on the lookout for that to be able to get back in there and post comments to the blog because we want your comments. We want your comments, but you know, if you got something urgent to tell us, you can tell us that in a number of different ways. You can give us a call at nine seven two. Seven six three five nine zero three. That number once again nine seven two seven six three five nine zero three. And if we use your voicemail on the air, you'll win a coveted, valuable ideology of madness surprise. You can follow us over on Instagram at, at @iomgeek, uh, where we are continuing our thirty day Star Trek challenge, where we talk about the best of Trek. Uh, and keep in mind, those are not thirty consecutive days; those are thirty days whenever they might fall. <laughs> <laughs> thirty days they as us- they're remembered. Paul, they can find us over on YouTube. And how might they do that? YouTube.com slash Ideology of Madness. And what about the Facebooks? Uh, on Facebook, we are IOM Geek. Um, and what about... Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you go. Well, I was going to say the reason for the different names is that some sites have been set up for longer than others uh, before our name change. But you can certainly find us, uh, you know, by, by checking out uh, IOMGeek.com has links to all of the various locations. And you can find us on Twitter at either IOM Geek or Ideology Madness, uh, not of Ideology Madness. And Paul, how do they find us on Grinder again? Um, at IOM Paul. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Uh, we'll see you back here next week, folks. Catch you later. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.